Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Today, Carl, Todd, and Amy are in London talking pastoral ministry in the UK and plenty more with Paul Levy. Despite what you may have heard, he does exist and he has a lot to offer in the discussion. Stay tuned after to find out how to get a free MP3, Church Discipline and Evangelism. Well, it's great to have you all with us again today. We're, uh, we've relocated to the west of London. We're in the borough of Hanwell, and we're hanging around in a pub called the White Hart, uh, also known to the Presbyterian community in, in Hanwell as the Dripping Blade, for reasons that we really don't want to go into on air. And we're meeting at the Dripping Blade because it is the haunt of uh, a very good friend of mine, uh, regular readers of Ref 21 will know uh, the character Paul Levy. Uh, when Paul first showed up on the blog a few years ago, I had six emails congratulating me on my latest comic creation. <laughs> the tragedy is that Paul Levy actually really exists. He really does write like that. Uh, and, you know, uh, and heartbreakingly, he's married to the delightful Claire, who, quite frankly deserve to do a lot better but anyway she's a lucky woman uh, yes anyway <laughs> it's, shut up until you're spoken to uh, it's great to have you on paul i want to kick off with a softball question uh, the welsh are they still necessary <laughs> or even maybe i could rephrase that uh, how could a god of love allow the welsh <laughs> I mean, it's got to be more than just to give us tom jones right and Derek Thomas. Oh, uh, Derek Thomas. Yeah. yeah, Derek Thomas. Although Derek, he's, he's, Derek Thomas is the most American I know of all British men who moved yes, to America. Yes, yes. Could you so, repeat that for the listeners, please? <laughs> so, so he, you know, he drops off his dry cleaning at the drive-through and then picks up a, a coffee at the drive-through. He's yeah. he's he's sold out to say the least. And he goes to baseball games. It's oh, great. Ghastly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's wonderful. Does my heart good. But uh, to, to, to give a bit more background, Paul, Paul is actually the minister, the pastor of uh, the International Presbyterian Church in Ealing in uh, West London. The IPC is uh, the denomination connected to Francis Schaeffer. Uh, and Paul and a group of uh, angry young men have effectively taken that denomination over in the last couple of years and are transforming it in a dramatically confessional direction. Is that a relatively accurate account, Paul? <laughs> I've been in so much trouble for you saying that. Um, <laughs> That's think, why I said it. <laughs> I don't think we've taken it over. I think, um, I th yeah, there's a lot of good men um, that have joined I remember, the I remember Hitler saying that about Poland. <laughs> I, I don't think I've taken it over. But, uh... <laughs> and so, yeah, there's lots of good things happening. And, and God has brought really um, top-rate guys um, to work with us. And so, yeah, I think things are encouraging. Excellent, excellent. So now, Carl, you mentioned... Um, in, in one of your comments, it's going to get Paul in trouble. Um, as far as uh, moving towards greater confessionalism, I take it then that perhaps there'd been a trajectory away from confessionalism, as happens oftentimes in denominations. Would that be accurate? Paul, are you still there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm still there. Um, 
Yeah, I think that would be fair. I think I think the denomination it, it grew a great deal in the nineteen seventies and the couple of churches that there were, and there was a kind of golden generation of people that followed Francis Schaeffer um, from Le Brie, Jaron Bars, Dick Kies, and I think. I suspect that the work of Labrie grew faster than um, the work of the church. And so we, we lost a lot of good guys to the U.S., as, as always happens from the U.K. Um, and I think probably we, we had 20 years where the churches didn't grow. And then God in his goodness, there's an American guy called Bill Nikidis came and um, really breathed new life into the denomination under God. Um, we've seen real growth in good men. Whether it was a drift from confessionalism, I think that that looks slightly different over here probably than it does in the U.S., and so it's, it's a slightly different problem. What do you think about men that leave the U.K. to come to the U.S.? Yeah, that's what I was just wondering. Like, I that, just wrote that, that down. Like, why do you seem to lose all your men to the, yeah, yeah. Good men to I mean, the what, Americans? Uh, I, is, you know, is Carl still there? Are you still there, Carl? <laughs> I'm still here. I'm, right here. I, I'm just phoning my lawyer now to listen nervous. very carefully to the answer to this question. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I think I can really understand it. So um, uh, you go to the US, um, churches treat you royally. They love their ac- they love your accent, don't they? So mm-hmm. um, when I preach in the US, people talk about the accent, not right. the content. Well, you just read the phone book when you come to the US. That's, I'm told. I, yeah, Everybody that's what it. I've told Captivating. Carl to do when he's preached for me. Just read the phone book. They're going to think it's great. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think it's understandable. So Presbyterianism is strong in Scotland and in Northern Ireland, but it's very, very weak in England. And, and very weak in Wales. And so the temptation to go to the US and have a ministry where you're appreciated and where you can you can achieve great things under God, um, I think it's very, very tempting for guys. So I'm not the greatest fan of uh, Brits who go to America. But Carl, I make an exception for Carl in that Carl went before he was famous. So, <laughs> you know, he's carved out a niche for himself as the angry young man of reformed evangelicalism. So, but he's done that in the US. You mean so the angry middle-aged him, man of reformed yeah, evangelicalism. It, it took Carl then, what you're saying is it took Carl moving to the United States before he became a celebrity. Yeah, I think that's the term that I normally use when yeah. speaking. Yeah. I think I think that's important to know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Paul, question, and this is actually kind of a serious question. Um, is where where in London? Where is the church growing? And 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 I don't mean just numeric, but but where's are are there places where the church is beginning to see some real spiritual life, where it's beginning to thrive in London? Oh, that's a great question, and again, I think it's quite difficult to answer. You see um, huge growth amongst black African Im- immigrant churches, hmm. and yet I, I think that is that is a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah. Um, I think you see these huge charismatic churches like Hillsong and Holy Trinity Brompton, you know, that run the Alpha course, right. and they run these massive conferences, and and yet on the big issues of the day where on homosexuality, on the wrath of God, on hell, they, they are absolutely silent mm-hmm. and leading, I think, countless people astray. Yeah. Um, I do think there are encouraging things. I think some of the conservative Anglican churches, evangelical Anglican churches, they would they would not be as reformed as I would like. And yet they're seeing people converted, people being trained for ministry in churches being planted. Um and I think there are there are good signs on that 
um, Presbyterian ways, there's London City Presbyterian Church, which has got a, a great new minister, Andy Pearson, and they're seeing some growth. And there's us in the West. It's it's so hard in a massive city like ours. Um, Is London City the Free Church of Scotland? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the artist formerly known as Colabi. <laughs> okay, yes. My old denomination, yeah. That's right, that's right, yeah. So what kind of um, obstacles are you up against there in evangelism? evangelicalism and um, just evangelizing and bringing yeah. people in the church that uh, maybe we don't relate to as much here in America? I think I think it's hard to be um, confessional confessional and have a high view of the sacraments and church government okay. in evangelicalism um, because there's kind of a minimalistic um, evangelicalism. You know, you believe the eight kind of core doctrines and that's what we unite around and anything else is secondary and so so to make a big deal of sacraments or church government on that, you're viewed as kind of divisive. Um, and so I think that's one of the things I feel that that as kind of Presbyterians we're up against. In evangelism, it's just a really pagan worldly culture. I was talking with our young people last night and in the church, and gay marriage has been a huge thing in their school. Um, they, were, they were saying to me that, that in school it comes up nearly every week hmm. and... Um, it's equated with, you know, slavery um, and then the suffragettes and then the civil rights movement and then um, gay marriage. And so we find ourselves as reformed biblical Christians on the side of, um, you know, the white supremacists in the right. civil rights movement, wow. sexist bigots and yep. uh, the slave traders. It's not it's not easy, I mm -hmm. think, to stand on that issue, particularly for our young people. And yet, you know, it wouldn't be very common for us here in America to find a Presbyterian minister at a pub called the the Dripping Blade. Yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got yeah. that going for you. Yeah, yeah, we've got that going for us. And and I think actually, you know, you uh, pe people know what they don't believe, and I think that's that is that is a great thing. So the friends, um, my friends in the Dripping Blade, um, they are they are very interested um, in what I do. Um, that they're not hungry for the gospel yet. Um, and yet with opposition comes great opportunities. And right. I think we're um, in the UK. Yeah, because it's so difficult here with, you know, what we call the, the moralistic therapeutic deism, where so many people claim to be believers. And yet when you get to that confessional part again, what it is that we profess that we believe, then everybody then just kind of holds few. that to be yeah. relative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was in I was in Mississippi, which which was an experience in itself sure. in February. <laughs> and, um, I didn't meet a Christian. I didn't meet a non-Christian all week. Mm -hmm. So every you met, um, you know, went to church <laughs> or called themselves a Christian, and yeah. oh, I couldn't bear working in an environment like that. Um, <laughs> right. Well, even the town I live in, it's just so socially Christian. It's very moral. But once you start talking about any kind of theological issues, I start hearing, you know, crickets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everybody becomes a, 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 a relativist at that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your strategy for your church, Paul? Oh. I know you love those kind of terms. <laughs> how, are you, how are you building your brand, strategizing? What are your five pillars? Uh, what's your platform? <laughs> that kind of stuff. Who's uh, in your tribe? <laughs> yeah, what, do you, what do you do as a church? Let's ask it in a good, common-sense <laughs> British way. What do you do as a church, man? What do we do as the church? We um, we preach the word. Um, no, but what do you really do? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, we um, preach the word. We um, 
we have Lord's Day worship morning and night. We have adult Sunday school, kids Sunday school. We have the kids in the service, which is unheard of pretty much in England. Um, and we have prayer meeting once a month. We have small groups. And we, and we work hard. We work hard at trying to um, add evangelism. We have young people's groups, which are mainly full of children and young people from non-Christian homes. We have outreach to young young mums, parent and toddlers. And we run an English language class with a, um, uh, a Bible study afterwards. We, we, we try everything. I, I often say nothing works, so you try everything. Um, and churches, I think evangelistically, we've, you've got to work hard. Um, uh, and we're seeing some people come to Saving Faith. We've seen a girl, a teenage girl, wonderfully converted this year. And uh, at her baptism, through her baptism, um, uh, this Iranian lady was sitting there watching this girl getting baptized and thought I, I would I would love that to happen to me. I, I would love to come to the point one day where I could be baptized. And she zoned out of my sermon, which which is not very unusual. Um, We've all thinking, been there, Paul. We've all been there. <laughs> the listeners are at the moment. I would have um, and then Acts, I was preaching on Acts twenty four. Felix procrastinating. My Lord was converted during the sermon. It was remarkable. Well, through the baptism of this girl, really. Um, so you just. You, you just do what you can, really. There's no, I get fed up of strategy and vision and all that nonsense. No. <laughs> Maybe you could just name your church the Dripping Blade. Yeah, the Dripping Blade. The dripping Blade. Wouldn't that be a big thing? Yeah. How's your library? I remember a couple of years ago, we, the my wife and I were visiting yeah. with you and Claire that evening, and I think we'd had a glass of wine and... Uh, Maybe you're saying to me, have you seen these amazing videos online of, of these guys having these tours of their library? <laughs> so Paul and I, much to our wives' disgust mm. and eye-rolling, got up and, and we actually, on, on Paul's smartphone, videoed a tour of his magnificent library uh, in his back garden. Um, well, you should where, put a link to that on one yeah, of the I think it's on YouTube. There is a, there's a, the, the door was put on the wrong way around, so you can only give in one person. So I want persons to go in, shut the door, and then the next person follows. Um, Got it's a metaphor there. Yeah. <laughs> it's affectionately known as the Francis Schaeffer Memorial Hall. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe so, that that video got Carl disinvited from several uh, parties and associations. So. Certain people stopped returning my emails after that video <laughs> went up. I'm sure it was purely coincidental, of course. But, uh, uh, have you added yes. any Derek Thomas books to the library since then? Because there was no Derek Thomas, I seem to remember. <laughs> Those well in commentaries. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, uh, no, I've. Um, in fact, at the moment, I'm on a book buying fast. I was buying so many books last year um, and just not getting them read. So I thought, right, I'm not going to buy books for a whole year. Yeah, you need to uh, learn to read first, Paul. It's, yeah. it's usually a kind of basic element. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but the, the uh, yeah, it's it's freezing in the winter and boiling in the summer, and the books are slightly damp, but um, <laughs> <laughs> moldy. <laughs> You know, it, it, it works for me. It, it, it's nice being at the back of the garden. We, we've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old, so if you lock the door, it's that you can. Um, they can't get at me. So, <laughs> <laughs> any books you found particularly helpful in preparation of sermons, Paul? Um, what do you mean? Do you mean kind of commentaries or just things that have helped? Commentaries or books? I presume you do use books in the preparation of your sermons. <laughs> I do. The book that's had a you know, profound influence on me was um, John Newton's letters to oh. um, uh, that guy Ryland, John Ryland, is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Wise counsel by the banner of truth. I found that that had a I really, really um, 
that did me the world of good. I'm, I'm working through Thomas Watson's um, Ten Commandments at the moment, mm, yeah. and uh, that that little series of Body of a, Body it's of excellent. Divinity, Ten Commandments, Lord's Prayer is um, theology on fire. Yeah. It's, uh, those are my three favorite Puritan works. Those yeah. three volumes, love them. And now for an oasis of culture. Derek Thomas, former roadie of glam rock band Slade, reads from the classics. This week, Stairway to Heaven by Robert Plant and James Page. And as we wind on down the road, our shadows taller than our soul, there walks a lady we all know who shines white light and wants to show how everything still turns to gold. And if you listen very hard, the tune will come to you at last when all are one and one is all, to be a rock and not to roll. And she's buying a stairway to heaven. Who wrote this dribble? Now, Paul, you're a pastor in a, a very, although you live in the suburbs of Hanwell, and I've been a guest at your house on a number of occasions. Uh, so he lets you into his house. He lets me, he, unlike Todd, Paul lets me into his house. I refuse. Pruitt will head me off at the front. I've never, I've never been in a Pruitt house in my entire life. Uh, but, but Paul will let me in, and indeed his wife has, has welcomed me on occasion. Um, he's even pulled a bottle of red wine out of the fridge to give me a glass, I, I seem to remember. Uh, you're an, you're an urban you're, you're you're a suburban located pastor, but the church, of yeah. course, this is London is really an urban environment. Yeah. Your people are spread out over a very wide spectrum. Uh, what does pastoral care look like? Oh, it, it looks it looks like hard work um, in, in in a good way. Um, so we've got probably thirty nationalities in the in the in the congregation. Wow! And so dealing with um, lots and lots of different issues, cross cultural marriages. Um, that's a big one. Um, and pastoral care. In one way, it looks really different, but in another way, it's no different from another congregation. We've we divided the congregation up into shepherding lists, and each of the elders visit. Um, it's all the same problems: um, uh, internet pornography, um, a breakdown in relationships. Work work is a huge issue for lots in the congregation. Um, they're working in London. It's long hours, difficult boss, housing. Um, you know the cost of living in London. Housing costs are huge, and that pastoral years impact. And so it's a transient congregation. Um, I I think that you get, you know, five years with people, and mm -hmm. then um, they move on. We we've got about twenty people in our congregation who at the moment are thinking, should I be leaving London or not? Um, and you've just got to get used to that. Um, uh, uh, that can really chew you up. But you've just yeah. You're just Most also kind of affirming what Carl likes to. Um, say about how we're 
we're not all that unique. We're not as special as we think we are. Like here, you're talking about 30 different nationalities, but their problems are the same as ours. And the yeah. pastoral issues that you face are the same as ours. Yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly right. And I think the greatest need is to to see people grab hold of the truth, to grasp theology. And I think that was something that I didn't appreciate um, uh, for, for a while, just the importance of giving people doctrine. And so um, for all my criticism of America, I think your adult Sunday school is is just a fantastic thing um, mm. in teaching and training, giving people doctrine. And, and so we're trying to copy that. But um, that that is a really helpful thing, I think, pastorally. I was just recently in one of uh, the Sunday school classes in Carl's church in which the Sunday school teacher went through first and second Samuel <laughs> in one class. He got up there and said he was going to go through first and second Samuel. And I looked over at the woman sitting next to me and said, I'd like to see this happen. <laughs> and he did. It's our Old Testament Bible survey. We're trying to get people did to you, understand did, the Have you been on Carl's church's website? Have you been on that? Oh, yeah, the big oh, picture of absolutely. Carl. The big picture, yes. Did it, it. Ter- yeah, we've got, we're, we're giving it out at Presbytery today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, you but afford they- you my signature, were you? It's great. <laughs> there is there's now a a, a a marble bust of Carl um, there in the in the in the foyer yeah. of of Cornerstone. That's quite impressive. It's the statue in the car park of me with my arms sort of outstretched and a couple of little children at my feet, <laughs> and, right. you know, you, just you looking and Asl- out please. over the empire. Yeah, it's beautiful. You Aslan together. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Right. Every time I pull into the parking lot, I get a little misty. It's, it's yeah. very moving. It's it's the sort of the Kim Jong Un aesthetic. I think really, <laughs> we're working on at Cornerstone. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, he's done some. Um, he's really stretch that photo of you and, and your wife on Rough 21 quite a bit. He's got a lot <laughs> sure of mileage on it. Isn't it? Yeah. So every time there's a mention of a photo, you, you just know what's coming. <laughs> Some well, jokes improve with age, and that's one of them. <laughs> a photo to, to Bob Brady so that uh, uh, we can avoid so There is a photo, isn't there? So a friend of mine stayed in Carl's house about 10 years ago and found this photo of Carl dressed up as a cowboy. Oh, and, man. Um, we need that picture. And nobody can find it. No. <laughs> I'm offering a cash reward. Absolutely. <laughs> All I want to know, Paul, is when I see you next, is Claire going to kill me? <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm willing to dedicate a percentage of my church's budget <laughs> for whoever has that photo. Hey, Todd, I have a copy. We can talk cash. Okay. Is, uh, All right. I'm, I'm ruthless. Paul, uh, slightly, uh, well, uh, changing subject completely from photos <laughs> of me as a cowboy to something more serious. Um, just as a as a matter of interest, what does the how does the third use of the law function in your preaching? It's a great question. Uh, the, the, it's it's a guide for life, isn't it? Where where the rubber hits the road for us is is on the Lord's day. I think that um, so you would have very very few congregations in London and kind of several circles I mix in that that would have a strong view of the continuing use of the Ten Commandments hmm. and third use of the law. And that that shows itself on the Lord's Day. So you would you would have lo- loads of good churches, and yet they would be adamant to just come to church once a Sunday, um, take a day of rest, but it doesn't need to be Sunday. Um, and so a very, very weak view of the Lord's Day, if anything. And so... Um, the third use of the law, I, I, yeah, I, I just cannot understand how folks don't see it. Mm, that's, yeah. that's the baffling thing in delighting in the law of the Lord. Yeah. And um, 
on the Ten Commandments, I, you know, that the whole line about, you know, Jesus affirms nine of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And where on earth is that going? Yeah. 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 And, and, and again, to find Presbyterians who are a part of a Presbyterian denomination that, that affirms the Westminster Confession of Faith that would not seem to have a practical way to give expression to the third use of the law. Uh, it's one thing to say, I believe in the third use of the law, but when there's no evidence of it at all in my preaching mm -hmm. um, or, or writing, then, then the question still remains. Um, and, and, and what we rob our people of. When, yeah. Um, when, when we show them, again, as you've already quoted, you know, Psalm 19 is, is a man, uh, the expression of a man who, who knows that the law of God is for the good of his redeemed people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and if you're preaching expositionally, how can you not address the third use of the law? Yep. I mean, there's actually imperatives. imperatives. That, yeah, there are actual imperatives in the New Testament. Yeah, can't uh, really leave all this well, out. Yeah. It interests me that a lot of the debate about the third use of the law is conducted by men who either aren't directly in pastoral ministry mm. or are in very large churches where presumably the pedophile or the guy struggling with pornography or the adulterer aren't banging on their door yeah. for advice. Yeah. You know, it's very easy to, to deal conceptually with these right. things if you're not having to deal with real people and you're not having to exegete the text yeah. and apply it individually and corporately yeah. when, on, when on a daily or weekly exactly. basis. When, I, when I'm dealing with a guy who's struggling with pornography um, and I just say, listen, the key to this is if you'll just um, reflect a little bit more on your justification, um, uh, he's going to walk away really impoverished at that point. Yeah. And and that's and that's not a hit on the sufficiency of the gospel at all. It's just to say that um th that's why there are imperatives in scripture for that guy and for me and for you. Yeah. And I think I think it, 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 we've been just teaching our kids um in church the 10 commandments from shorter catechism. I just I just cannot see how guys who subscribe to the confessions and the catechisms how on earth they can get away with it. Right. And I think the issue becomes more what do presbyteries do about it? Right. Mm -hmm. Because they've got a you know some of the guys who are on the internet about it they they have to take exceptions to what the shorter catechism is teaching and particularly the larger catechism. Mm. And are they willing to go to their presbyteries about that? I well yeah. It'll be very interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years on it. Mm. It has big implications, I think, on subscription. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, this has been a good conversation. I'm really glad that um, I got to meet you today, Paul, because I was one of those who really did not believe that you existed right. <laughs> and thought that you were part of Carl's alter ego. So, although, <laughs> you know, we are on Skype here with you, so you never know. I haven't physically seen you. It so. could be my youngest One son putting on strange Yeah, accent. I'm still holding out just a little bit. I don't know what Carl is capable of doing. But Rick Phillips, he's thank bound you. to get an invitation to PCRT in the post next year. You know, trip <laughs> <laughs> to America. You know, that, that's what we want. So yes, yes, I'll have to meet you face to face. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today. A casual conversation that counts. 
And I just want to ask all of our listeners to visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, and maybe we can dig up that picture of Paul Levy's library mm-hmm. <laughs> or that uh, the video footage Truman there. Truman the Cowboy. And uh, we will we will look hard. We're gonna find for it. Truman the Cowboy and see what we can do about that. They I found did, King I did Tut. We're gonna selfie, find that so. picture. <laughs> yes, we'll look for it. Okay. Well, thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The Alliance is a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen who hold to the historical creeds and confessions of the Reformed faith and who proclaim biblical doctrine in order to foster a Reformed awakening in today's church. Head over to our website, mortificationofspin.org, to download the sermon, Church Discipline and Evangelism, from Mark Deber. And come back next week to hear the SPIN team talk about how pastors should handle overbearing church members. There are a lot of bad churches out there. There are abusive pastors, but there are also abusive churches. There are pastors that harm their congregations, and there are churches that harm their pastors. And it's the latter that I don't think we hear much about. But don't worry, this is a safe space. Um, not really, no. I mean, safe place is one of those gibberish terms. Completely <laughs> ridiculous in many ways. That and more next week. Thanks for listening, and don't forget your free audio message. Who wrote this drivel?